the FE Women's Speakly podcast. We're back again with loads of news for you. But first, if you joined us at the U2 conference on the 31st of March this year, you will have heard Anne Lim share some of the history of the Women's Leadership Network when it was first set up 30 years ago. Well, by way of follow-up, Catherine James and Anne are in conversation again, this time talking about past, present and future. You gotta hold on, keep strong. Welcome Hello. everyone. Hi. So, Catherine James from the Women's Leadership Network, and a, a great pleasure in talking to Anne Lim again, who I, in a minute I'm going to ask her to introduce herself. But, Anne, we've talked before, um, and mm. um, hopefully, people will, we can release your previous podcast so they'll know a bit more about you. But it is so great to catch up with you today. But before I carry on, do you want to just tell everybody who you are and what you're doing at the moment? Well, thank you, Catherine. It's great to catch up with you, too. I mean, uh, let's face it. And it's really lovely the way in which um, you're developing not just the Women's Leadership Networks we'll talk about, but um, but actually these podcasts and as a, as a way of making uh, what we all do more accessible to more people. Um, and, um, well, I usually describe myself these days uh, uh, nauseatingly, um, uh, solipsistically really as a philanthropist mover and Quaker um, and um, uh, what I'm up to really is not so much giving my money away although I, I do do that but philanthropy for me is also about giving giving you time and giving your um, experience and sharing your wisdom which is a little bit of, of, of what we're doing and, and of course you get a bit more of that um, uh, when you've got older um, and you know let's face it I am 68 now which is not old old but it's not 48 you know uh, and then yeah I'm still a bit involved in things to do with education which some of your listeners will be interested in because um, I'm chair of city and guilds or I'm, I'm about to assume that formal role I'm vice chair at the moment but um, in the autumn I'll, I'll take that on for, for, for six years um, I imagine which will take city and guilds to 150 uh, years old, which will be which will be nice, and I'll be 75, and um, uh, and I'll, I'll perhaps I'll retire then. But yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm involved a, a, a little bit in helping others. I I always say I do what I love, and I love what I do. I'm passionate about uh, keep flying the flag for FE uh, and for technical training and uh, craft skills and stuff. And um, uh, and if I can help a few other people, and particularly a few women along the way, that's good too. That's fantastic. I love that description of yourself, and that's that's brilliant. And and the other thing that I just really love is that I think it's and maybe it's a privilege of kind of getting older is that you kind of get to be able to put a lot more fingers and a lot more pies, don't you? And kind of just do more and more of what interests you, I guess, isn't it? And um, what excites you instead of having to be in that kind of nine to five, which you tend to have to do when you're younger. I think that's that's right. I mean, the pressures on uh you know 20 30 40 year olds or something to forge your career and build your life do tend to straightjacket you i think and um i know if you'd been talking to my uh 30 year old 40 year old self you would have found me much more uh driven um uh much uh, uh um, in some ways much more focused um I think probably no less 
uh, what's the word? Um, I suppose no less interested in a whole range of things. Yeah, I, I've never. I, 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 what I particularly like, without being a dilettante and a and a butterfly, you know, collecting all manner of things. Although butterflies are beautiful, but but um, I just mean uh, skirting over the edge of things. I've always been somebody capable of. I hope spanning a reasonable breadth of things but also going deeper in into them and then when you have done that um as, as i have 30 40 years um it's the kind of joining up of of that and the learning from one sphere to another uh and the connections between those things that i think become very interesting as you say yeah absolutely um i'm going to plunge into kind of what i hope is the kind of the main bit of this conversation the bit that fascinated me so we we talked as as i said we did a podcast gosh about two years ago three years ago maybe and then you came and spoke at our um u2 uh, women's leadership annual kind of event if you like and you said something which really kind of piqued my interest and that's that's what i want to kind of concentrate on now is which is you said something about we you were talking about how um wln had been set up and why there was a need for it back then when you set it up and um, 30 years ago and you said it's changing and it has to change mm -hmm. and and i guess that that's what we're thinking it needs to change but i guess we're also kind of grappling what does it change into and I'm really interested in your thoughts on that. What What is it you think that, as a women's leadership network, are the concerns that we should be having about the sector now, particularly around intersectional gender equality? Yeah, it's a great opportunity and a challenge, isn't it, um, uh, mm. for uh, anybody working in FE at the moment, and, and particularly for women to, to, to think about um, uh, what you do have to address these days. I suppose what is and what the needs are, and it does go back to the, the different needs. Um, if I just, just start with what hasn't changed and then go out from that, yeah. I really don't think what's changed is the need for women to have some women only networks, some safe spaces and support um, and uh, uh, to have encouragement, coaching, mentoring um, from other women. I mean, maybe women and all men, it, 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 but, but I think there is a place for what you would call continuous professional development um, uh, 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 for learning uh, and for being coached and coaching others and co-mentoring each other and reverse coaching and all of that. There's a professional development need which hasn't hasn't changed. And I think that's linked also to um, a uh, need to make sure people really focus on the development of their own careers um, mm, yeah. uh, as well as their own personal development. I, I don't think necessarily you can leave a career to chance. I think a bit of career planning is not a bad thing either. Um, and I suppose both of those things were around when we uh, set up the uh, original um, network. Um, what's different, I think, um, and exciting actually, is that the world is um, much more complex now. Uh, it's much more interconnected. 
so what happens in one part of the world um, immediately, of course, is <laughs> experienced in another part of the world and picked up. So Black Lives Matters um, is uh, the, uh, over the last year is, is a very, very good example of that. Um, but in a way, uh, that's not the only one, of, of, of course, and, and uh, there's a, perhaps a real challenge to know which of these things that bombard our lives are relevant to the changes that we need to make, both personally and then as a, as a collective, you know. Uh, and again, another example of that might be the, the so-called colonization of the curriculum stuff. Uh, you know, do you change th um, that because of uh, discovering um, uh, something about somebody's past that then offends the morals of today, etc. Um, so I think what's more complicated is making the right calls uh, about how change is managed and taken forward. Mm. Uh, requires quite a lot of good, good judgment um, and um, good debate and good challenge. Um, uh, whereas I think life was simpler and more straightforward 30 years ago. <laughs> anyway, there was a need. We're going to do something about it. We'll get women in FE together. We'll find a bit of finance and we'll put on some sort of courses. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's a much more complicated world, as I say. That, that is interesting and it kind of chimes with conversations we're having with other my colleagues in WLN because we're kind of comparing ourselves to kind of women in ed which is about schools and the academic network in universities and they almost like still have this big ask which is some parity and some you know the gender pay gap and you know the kind of um, professor status in HE and all those sort of things and I don't I'm not sure we still have that big ask and maybe that's thanks to women like yourselves who trod that path and now we have that kind of you know, more women in leadership and so it's I've it's kind of interesting when I think about what you just said about we need these women only spaces because I think some of the assumption is we need those women only spaces because it's about confidence and about putting ourselves to be in those places of position and influence but actually I'm not I think what you've alluded to is actually I think our spaces are sometimes they have to be about how do these interconnected issues affect us as women it's almost like what's our thinking about what to, what does Black Lives Matter mean around gender equality? You know, what's the intersectional mm -hmm. aspect of that? What does what did the pandemic mean? What does it mean yeah. for us as women? It, and I sometimes think is that is that what we're talking about? Is we need this and WLN should be about this place where women can sort of say, what does it mean for us? Because actually, we do come second thinking sometimes, don't we? I, I do personally I do think it's exactly that and that won't necessarily work for all women you know some women will not want want this um, but I, I really would put a bet on um, a, a, a large number of women do still want it and, uh, and, and value it and you could see that in the conference that you ran recently mm -hmm. actually yeah there was so diverse a range of women's experience there, um, because obviously I'm speaking as a white uh, bisexual woman, um, uh, just to put two or three labels on it, you know. But but the fact is, um, uh, although we might be uh, as we're united by a single characteristic if we are women, or even a second characteristic, which is leadership, which I wouldn't mind just coming back to say something about briefly in a minute. Um, the, the reality 
is we're each a unique personality and we will bring um, to the roles um, uh, of leadership and to the uh, attribute that we have as, as women are our own unique personalities and characteristics and experiences anyway. Um, and I, I do think that, that um, just going back to your original question as, as, as well about where 30 years on and what would the next 30 years look like, um, you, you know, the place of leadership and how people lead and what we value in society about leadership is, a, is, a, is something where the Women's Leadership Network ha has a lot to say, has a lot to illustrate uh, through the, the range of women uh, that are engaged. And those issues are important for society as a whole to hear. So campaigning for effective leadership, uh, whatever the style of it, I think is just as important as campaigning to have more women professors um, or vice chancellors of universities um, or whatever, you know, that particular network of women you referred to do in higher education. So I think choosing the things to campaign on um, uh, in relation to uh, the um, uh, sector and the public's perception of what constitutes good leadership and then, oh, it just happens to be a woman is very important. And post pandemic, I mean, everybody will have seen it. There was that um, social media post, wasn't there, about the, the women leaders globally uh, who had handled the pandemic. I mean, everybody cites Jacinda Ahern in New Zealand and, and you know, you can say, oh, well, of course they could do it in New Zealand because it was quite a small country and blah, blah, blah. But, but it wasn't just New Zealand, there were several other uh, um, and the correlation uh, between that leadership style and the success of a particular activity is important, I think. Does that make sense to you? No, it makes total <laughs> sense. And actually, um, it's interesting, again, because of the, the conversation we're having at WM, which is kind of, um, you know, it's, I suppose it's using the F word, isn't it? Should we talk about feminist leadership? Should we, and we talk about coaching and mentoring. Should we talk about feminist coaching and mentoring? And what does that mean? Because how much has existing leadership just even even if we have equal men and women uh not wanting binary but you know if we have equal men and women in leadership actually do we just perpetuate kind of status quo and are we talking about a different thing of leadership so yeah i absolutely agree with you and i, I it's interesting to kind of, and i don't think it means that women lead like this or men lead like that do they it, it's about like you say a way of being a leader isn't it exactly oh no this is not confined to somebody in the body of uh, yeah. a person who describes themselves as, 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 as a woman. I, th I think effective, uh, appropriate leadership is what this, uh, it, it, well, for me, that's what makes things happen and work well, it, whether it's in a college, whether it's in a company, whether it's in a community. Um, and, and, and I think though the stories that women leaders have when they tell their leadership story, uh, it uh, can illuminate that that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure without pigeonholing it um, and, and without saying this is exclusively for women. I mean, I want to just slightly give a shout out for a person called Lynn Sedgmore, who was oh, Lynn. No, Lynn, yes. yeah. now Lynn retired and left the epi seen um, at least seven years ago, I think now. And that was a very conscious choice. You know, I had a successful career in epi and she ran the the centre 
for uh, excellence in leadership, it was known uh, at CEL. So there will be many in FE who have never heard of her, just like there'll be many in, in FE who've never heard of me, e even though <laughs> actually I have sort of kept a foot in the camp through um, the Helena Kennedy Foundation. And clearly I'm not letting them forget you. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, you're not letting them forget me. Well, I'm, I'm City and Guilds, but you know, I never, I never put my hand up and say I'm a sort of FE practitioner in, in 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 obviously the way that Sally has forged a huge successful uh, career as a, a college principal um, uh, until the point at which which she gives that up which I understand is fairly soon now so with fingers on the pulse there that she has I don't claim to have that but just going back to, to Lynn and leadership what she has has done very recently is used that time in retirement to develop a way of looking at leadership which some people will be challenged by in terms of the, the vocabulary, but she has written a book uh, which is coming out very uh, uh, soon. Um, and it, 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 I think anybody seriously interested in leadership uh, uh, would would do well to have a to have a look at the concept. The 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 the, the, the book is called Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel, a post patriarchal paradigm so it's quite a mouthful um, yeah. uh, and, and, and it, it may seem a, a way off beam but I just raised that now to to illustrate the fact that th this is about being open to all possibilities and shaping um, worlds that are coming together and in which the FE world is is one part of a, of a much bigger jigsaw yeah, uh, well, I'm so cl clearly going to have to uh, track down Lynn Sedgemore, aren't I? And, and I think she would um, would be a very interesting person for you to do this kind of chat. I'm going to bring it back to you now, though, sure. and, and just as a final question, I guess, really, which is, so in that your career and you've spanned that and you've have, you're having these thoughts about that, it's kind of what are the things that have shaped you and influenced you to, in your leadership to where you are now then? the kind of key moments for you well look the short answers well n number one is having um, a life partner now of 30 years who's really the uh, rock on which I stand or we probably would say we stand on each other's rocks and keep each other together but I think having a meaningful touch point in your personal life from wherever that comes so uh, in that sense my wife and my family uh, and then a wider circle of friends make everything possible because they can limit me and challenge me and put me in my box and pick me up when I'm feeling miserable and, and all of that and I know everybody says it but I do think that's a milestone and I, I feel for people who haven't got the kind of depth of that. I think the other big thing is that I had the experience of being completely overnight knocked off my pedestal oh. uh, and uh, completely unjustly, but that's not the point. If you are the leader of an organisation and the powers that be decide that they want you uh, to move on, which is actually what happened to me, or some of the powers that be actually in my case, because they want to bring somebody new in, then if you experience a, a, a life altering, I wouldn't say it was, you know, life changing, but if you experience something that that shifts you down, what I, I liken it to is being on the top of a plateau 
um, I did geography A level, so forgive me, but being on, on the top of the plateau and then suddenly when a rift valley forms, two fault lines just vertically appear and rather like the Grand Canyon, which I've not seen, I've only seen pictures, but you know, uh, the top suddenly becomes the bottom and, and, and you're wandering around the bottom for a while until you actually realize that it's just as okay being at the bottom and the top. So I think everybody needs to be knocked and it's awful. Well, I say needs to be. I think what shapes you is if you can deal with something as significant as that without it being a personal tragedy. I don't, I mean, I don't mean um, death of a child or a major trauma or, or, or something of a personal nature like that. I'm talking about a professional knock, you know. Mm. And then the third and final thing, I think for, for me, it's been what I've learned about myself by staying in that dark place and wandering around the bottom of the Rift Valley and then using that kind of darkness to, to acknowledge that you can actually begin to see things in it. You know, there's never really a true darkness. And then following those little specks of light and taking the opportunities then when they come and somehow not sort of losing heart. And, you know, an example of this is that when I started what is now the Women Leaders Network, you know, we sort of gave birth to it, got it going. My own career moved on in, in FE, as we've said. I then left FE and went to run Learn Direct, which is where I got this knocked off pedestal moment that I've talked about. I never expected one of those little specks of light to come back in the form of the beautiful soul that is Pauline Odilinsky, at least in my view, who contacted me through LinkedIn and said, Anne, didn't you have something to do with the setting up of the network? So, you know, the smile that you give out comes back to you is another to change the metaphor. And knowing the actions that you take, good or ill, will be found out sooner or later. And the good ones do come to fruition. I think is a great reassuring learning and it's only with the perspective of age and in retrospect I don't want to be all religious about it but there is a school of thought that says only in retrospect can you see the hand of God in your life now that metaphor won't appear uh, appeal to everybody and I, I, I don't um, know that I actually believe in God in that sense myself but I think what that's telling us uh, in, in relation to your question or it's telling me is that reflecting on your experiences and, and learning can and do always lead you to new places and that they lead you along with others to new places and you will be constantly surprised by the joy of that um, and I am and I'm blessed by that which is lovely. That's really brilliant thank you and I think uh, resonates with what I often think that the, the the importance of kindness particularly in a sector which can sometimes be pretty brutal can't it? I don't think we're alone I think the workplace you're quite right the workplace is brutal we also all come with our own baggage and our needs and we do have ego needs I mean and that can make our behaviours even more unpleasant sometimes uh, or and or inexcusable but yes if if you can just hold a and shine a light up to kindness. I think there's absolutely no doubt about it. 
we need more of it in the world, don't we? Um, in fact, when I just did the, I'm sorry to just mention her again, but um, it's very much in my mind. So I just wrote the foreword to Lynn's book and I had to say something about myself at the end. And I said, I was this, um, I, I, these days I refer to myself as a, a philanthropist mover and Quaker. And I, I put, Anne, Anne Lim tries to do the least possible harm to people and planet. And I, I think that's, that's your kindness bit, you know, if we could all work things through. But it's not always easy to do that uh, in, a, in a complicated workplace, is it? Which is why, to bring this full circle, Catherine, you need the women in this network to help, to help other women and to, 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 to help you through those difficult and dark times. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anne. It was a pleasure talking to you, as always. And it was a bit different, wasn't it, from when we had the first one? <laughs> but real <laughs> food for thought. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, um, thank you for having me. Wow, that was an interesting podcast, Catherine. Second time speaking to Anne Lim, and she's still got loads more to share, hasn't she? Uh, always. She's great to talk to, and it is just so lovely to hear that kind of legacy I guess that's what it's what it is isn't it and and also that she is still so active and now the news that I promised so first off an update from Catherine on our offer next year and then details of our new campaign on ending sexual violence in all kinds of further education yes next year starting September one of the things that's coming up are three sessions they're called what next for supporting your leadership development um aimed at women who've been on our courses and uh just to kind of get them to think about well where am i now and what next um uh, but also for women who haven't been on the courses and to find out you know what's on offer and you know why they might want to kind of come along um and also i guess because often when we do the courses we get a lot of the kind of oh, i wish it hadn't ended or really enjoying this so it's really to keep that going. Um, there's a real need, I think, women tell us. So that's that space, isn't it, to just reflect and think and, and think about yourself, which is not something that women do all the time. So very well. So it's that opportunity, a bit of space for people to think. There will be uh, the new Women Up 3 course. So we're looking forward to that. We've got some more action learning sets coming on board. And then we've also got a series of webinars again. Now, last year we did a whole host of webinars, didn't we, with lots of different sort of discussions and things, one around coaching, mentoring, one around writing uh, your leadership in social media and, and things. And we had we had women come and share their story, like Yvonne Kelly, didn't we? And yeah, absolutely. That was really interesting. Yeah. Different voices, amplifying different mm -hmm. voices. Um, and so this year we've got another six, I think it is, three in the autumn term, three in the spring term. And a few more things we mustn't forget. We've a number of informal things, like you've still got your reluctant writers group um, and we've got lots of other ad hoc discussions um, and sessions that take place. And then on Fridays, on the second Friday of each month, we have got our Friday lunch meet network meetings open to all women in any part of the sector, regardless of what your role is. You're welcome to come along to those and you help set the agenda because it's magazine style and of course we've got those and then of course building up to another uh, u2 event our annual kind of alumni event uh, at the end of march so yeah this is going to be going to be a busy year so last but definitely not least is our campaign on ending sexual violence across the whole sector 
We launched the campaign on the 5th of July. It's going to continue until we eradicate sexual violence, particularly against women and girls, um, and that's students and staff. So to find out more, go to our website or check in on Twitter. We've got great coverage in the sector press. Thank you very much. And lots of people have been supporting the campaign on social media. It's definitely time for you to get involved if you've not done so already. Anything else there or does everybody need to check back in with us? Checking back in with us is always a good idea. That's brilliant. Well, that's all from FE Women's Speakly for this podcast, but there are more on the way and keep in touch with us on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And thanks as always to Jay for It Gets Better, the wonderful music that accompanies our podcasts. Okay, so that's us done, Catherine. Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Still get better.